so, so moved by the, the, the testimonies that were shared um, earlier, like drew tears moved um, because God is so good. You know, I, I can't even begin to express how, how good God is. And uh, uh, usually at this time of year, um, I get all sappy and <laughs> it's, it's Thanksgiving, it's family. Uh, my birthday is in December. Um, so, you know, you kind of come to that, you know, another round, another milestone, and you kind of reflect, um, you know, it's the end of a calendar year. Um, but but, but I'm, I'm, so, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for what God has been doing. Um, when, I, when I look back at where I was last year, the way things have played out, I wouldn't have expected that. I wouldn't have chosen the path that, that, that it took. But God is good. God is good. And so um, today, today I want to kind of direct our attention to, to God. Because to, as, as we were sharing our testimonies, I, I noticed this was happening in the room. I noticed that, that our spirits were rising as we heard about what God is doing in people's lives, right? Every, every time we share a testimony, when we direct our attention away from circumstances and onto God, something happens, something shifts inside us. And so I, I want to I direct our attention to God in a specific area that we often separate God from, and that's money. Yeah, we're going to talk about money. Yeah, we're going there, we're going there. So we're going to talk about it. Um, my, my first experience with, with money, I, I remember this um, very vividly. My, my dad put a $20 note and a $10 note in my hand. And when he did it, it was like a, a shock wave ran through my hand. So much power! <laughs> right? Because cause I, was on, I was on school lunches, so Monday and Wednesday and Friday, um, I would get school lunches. But, but two days a week, I had the opportunity to buy whatever I wanted for lunch. And sometimes I didn't buy lunch. Sometimes I bought toys. But it was my money to spend, right? So, so I, I, I remember feeling so, I, I felt like a man. Let's just be honest when he put that in my hand. And then um, a few months later, um, he put two coins in my hand. And my heart sat because it felt like I had a, I'd just gotten a demotion. Like I was being punished. Yeah, that's, that's what, I didn't say this before. So I grew up in Jamaica. Um, if you hear an accent, that's what's going on. Now we're past it. Okay, okay. So, so he, he put two coins in my hand, $40, and it felt like a demotion, and I couldn't understand why it cost more to get the same stuff I'd always gotten. I didn't understand why, even though this was more valuable, it felt like less. That's kind of like the, the first sign that, that my relationship with money like, I needed to pay attention to that. Like, if I didn't learn some stuff about money, how money works in life, I was going to have trouble keeping up. That's kind of like the first time when I started to realize I don't fully understand how this works. When I was in third grade, uh, uh, one U.S. dollar, would, um, like, the foreign exchange rate was like 40 Jamaican dollars. One U.S. dollar, 40 Jamaican dollars. Today, as we are talking today, um, one U.S. dollar gets you 155 Jamaican dollars, right? So inflation through the roof, right? Crazy, crazy. And so 
So I, I remember, like, just growing up and, and as, as you now people would be crying, man, like, like, times are hard, times are hard, like, like cost of living is, is getting crazy. And, and I, I just remember, like, seeing, like, my parents struggle. I remember seeing um, uh, family members struggle. I remember seeing, like, neighbors struggle at school, um, people struggle. Um, but that was, that was the life that I, I grew up in. Now, I've shared a little bit about myself. I know sometimes when we talk about money in church, it gets kind of awkward. So we're going to cut through all of that mess. And I want you to turn to the person next to you. And I want you to tell them the first memory that you have about money. Now, you, chances are you know the person, but if not, just say, hey, my name is, and my first memory about money is fill in the blank. Let's take some time and do that. All right, I'm, I'm hearing it start to quiet down a little bit. Um, but looks like chatter, looks like chatter's been going on, looks like there's some laughs, uh, maybe some funny stories in there um, about what, what we remember first about money. Um, so what we're going to talk about today, um, I, I really believe that it, it matters to every believer, right? Like Jesus talked a lot about money, actually. It matters to every believer, but even if you're not a follower of Jesus, I think there's some things that you'll learn from, from the principles I share from Scripture. There'll be some things that you're like, hmm, that could be really useful for my life. Now, my hope is that someday, someday soon, like, like Adam was sharing, like someday soon you'll come to know Jesus personally. But today, this stuff is practical today. You can use it. And so we're going we're gonna to get into it. So... Um, the, the, the person I want to talk about from Scripture um, is the first man who ever lived, right? I want to talk about his interaction with the stuff God gave him, all right? What's his name? Adam, yes, you got it. So we're going to talk about Adam. The story is found in Genesis chapter 2, um, Genesis chapter 2, and I'll, I'll, I'll share from verse 1 to 25. I won't read all that, but I'll share it as a story. And as I, as I share the story with you, I want you to kind of put yourself in, in his shoes. I, w- I want you to picture what it must have been like. I want you to feel all the emotions in the story, right? And I'm going to ask you at the end of it, I did this in first service. Jury's still out on how that went. But um, I'm, I'm going to ask you two questions. I'm going to ask you what Adam had and what Adam did not have, okay? So you're going to listen for what Adam had and what Adam did not have. Ready? All right, we got it, we got it. So Genesis chapter 2. 
So here's what we're told. The heavens and the earth were completed, amazing, in all their array. Um, and on the seventh day, God sat down. Well, I'm imagining he sat down, but God finished his work. And on the seventh day, he rested. And he blessed the seventh day, and he called it holy, because that's the day he had rested from all the work he had done. And this, this is the account of how the heavens and the earth were created. When God made earth and the heavens, there were no plants, no shrubs, no trees. But there was this mist that would come up from the ground and kind of moisturize the earth. And God took that earth, Adamah, and he formed it. He fashioned it, molded it. And Ben, he breathed into it. And called it Adam. Adam had breath, had life. Now God took Adam and placed him in a garden in the east called Eden, a protected place. He put the man he had formed there. And the Lord made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that looked really good and had a lot of food on them. And there was a river that was flowing through the middle of the garden. And it kind of branched off into four different, four different rivers. The first was Pishon, where there's gold and resin and onyx. And the second was Gihon. And then the Tigris and the Euphrates. The God took the man and he put him in the garden to work it and to care for it. And God said to the man, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden. But this one in the middle... The tree called the knowledge of good and evil. Don't touch it. If you eat from it, you will die. And God said, hmm, it's not good for man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. And so God formed all kinds of animals, all kinds of beasts from the ground. And then Adam was to name them. And so they would pass by Adam one by one and Adam would name them. But after he had named them, after they'd passed by him like, there still wasn't a helper that was suitable for Adam. So God caused Adam to fall into a deep sleep. While he was sleeping, he did some surgery. And he took a rib. Took a rib out from Adam, and then from that rib, he formed Ish. Woman. And then God brought the woman to Adam. Adam's looking around. Woo! Like what I see. Is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. And we are told that for this reason a man will leave his father and his mother, and the two will be united and become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. This is the story from Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 to 25. Now, I saw you guys making eye contact, saw you guys responding, so I know you were listening. And so here's the question. What did Adam have? What are we told in the story that Adam had? Talk to me. He had what? Every tree, like, like every tree, a lot of trees, like not just one or two. Like I'm talking blueberries and, and strawberries and raspberries and apples and pears and oranges and mangoes and you could keep going. Lots of trees. What else? What else did we, are we told that he had? A woman. A woman. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> yes. At first he didn't, but then God sorted that out. Yeah. 
Yeah, what else did he have? Say again. Responsibility. Responsibility. I like that word. God gave him responsibility, a purpose, a mission to accomplish in the earth. What else did, he, did Adam have? He had everything. He had it made. Why are you going to mess it up? Man, he had it made. Yeah, he was protected. He had food. He had responsibility. What else did he have? Purpose. He had purpose. What else did he have? Commitment. Dominion. Dominion. That's a powerful word. He had dominion. What else did he have? He had God. He had a connection with God. Right? He was able to relate to God. What else? Life. Life. Breath. Yes. Love. Yes. No, no, no. Listen to the words that we're talking about. They're all positive, aren't they? Opportunity. So, so, so the picture that we're, we're getting from, from the story is that the, the life that Adam lived was beautiful. The life that he lived was positive. He had, he had, he had stuff protection and he had provision. It's a beautiful picture. Now, Scripture also says that he didn't have some, some things. So, so what didn't he have? He didn't, there's one tree he wasn't supposed to touch. Yes, we'll get to that in a second. What else? Self-control. Well, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves in the story, right? So that's going to be exposed in the next chapter. He didn't have self-control. What else didn't he have? He didn't have children yet. Until he got one, yes. Yes. Clothing. He was naked, right? Naked as the day he was, well, he wasn't born, but as the day he was created, Right? So he was naked, but Scripture says that he felt no shame. So he also didn't have shame. Right. Yeah, no problems. No death. No death. Back home, we would say, no problem, man. No problem, man. Easy. So, um, yeah, so, so that was the picture in, in, in the garden, right? Um, beautiful. Nothing to worry about. Um, I, I, I find it interesting that, that in the garden, like, like before he was put in the garden, everything was set up for him. Anybody caught that when, we were, when I was telling this story? So like, like it was already prepared for him and then God put him in there. I don't know who needs to hear this today. But when God calls you to something, he prepares it first for you. And then he puts you there. Right? So if you know God is calling you to something, no stress. Just trust him. He's got you. He's got you. The other thing I find interesting in this story is that, um, like, it seems super awkward. Like, like w- what does this have to do with anything? But it talks about how there's gold and there's resin and there's onyx in the land. Now, why I think that's interesting is because, well, we know that only Adam and Eve are in the garden. So they're not selling stuff. They're not buying stuff. Why do they need valuables? But the scripture says it was there. Right? In, elsewhere in, in, in Genesis, we learn that that stuff was good. Like, I think it literally says in, in the scripture that the gold is good. Right? So God placed them in a place of abundance, in a land of abundance, and he said, take care of this stuff. This is for you guys to produce and to take care of. Now, picture this. 
Somebody already, somebody already jumped, ahead of, jumped ahead of the game and started spilling the beans. But listen, they, had, they needed to have self-control, right? There was one thing they weren't supposed to touch. Now imagine this. You have trees everywhere. Everywhere you look, there are trees, lots of trees, all kinds of trees. And you could look at them. They're pretty to look at. You could eat from them. There, there's a lot of fruits there. All the animals are eating fruits. Um, you're eating fruits. But one tree, one and so Adam and Eve have to walk past all the stuff that God gave them to touch the one thing that God said don't touch. And you and I are like that. I mean, I don't know y'all that well. I'm like that. I'm like that. Where God says, listen, Kurt, I've given you this. Do this with, with the stuff I've given you. Don't, do, don't touch that. And I ignore all the stuff that he's given me to go run after the stuff he said don't touch. So a lot of us, like every time I share the story about Genesis, especially with youth, they're like, man, Adam messed up. I would have never done that. I'm like, what are you doing it today? <laughs> You're making the same kind of decisions, right? So before we get too hard on Adam, we do that too. We do that too. Um, so I, I want to share um, a little bit about um, how we manage God's stuff, right? And so um, we have some ushers who are going to pass out some gifts for us. Um, yeah, because we're we, we talking about money. We're going to go there. So as they come around, you'll notice that what's in the packets are, are M&Ms. Now, somebody already says self-control. I want you to exercise self-control as you get these packets. And as they're going around, I want you to, to, to consider M&Ms as standing for money managers. Okay? We're going we to act like that's what M&M stands for, money managers. Now, these days, in 2023, a lot of times when we talk about income, the, what we're referencing is money. But for people in the scriptures, it wasn't always that way. All right? In the scriptures, often income would more refer to like crops, right? They were agricultural society. So, so their income was, was, was the fruits that they, they produced, right? And then throughout history, there have been many different things that income represented. So sometimes people didn't trade money. Um, they traded item for item. It was like a barter system. But for the purposes of our conversation today, we're going to talk about income as money, right? How, what do we do with our money? Now, all of us have stuff, some of us more than others, but all of us have stuff. Like, as I'm looking out, nobody's naked. So we got clothes. We have the physical ability to move. We have something, all right? So it's, it's very tempting when we start talking about possessions for people to go, oh, I don't have this, I don't have that. You have something. So we're going to talk about managing what you do have, okay? All right. So for the, average, for the average American, 30% of what they have is spent on their household. So when I say their household, that what I mean is like mortgage or rent, right? Paying utilities, that kind of stuff. And so I want you to open your little baggie and take out three M&Ms. And you can hold on to them. You can eat them. But three are gone out of your bag, all right? 30%. Hear the rustling, let's let that math go. And then um, 20%, 20% goes to health care. 
By that, I mean uh, medical bills. I'm talking insurance. Um, uh, like right now, I'm, I'm struggling with a cold, so, so maybe it's like some stuff at the grocery store, right, to, to take care of that cold. But, but 20%, so that's two M&Ms, goes to health care. Another 20% goes to recreation. So this is what the average American does. 20% goes to recreation, and by that I mean like movies, I'm talking about um, parties, I'm talking about um, concerts, any, anything you do for, for, for recreation, sports, that kind of stuff. So that's another two M&Ms. How many do you have left? Three. Woo, boy. All right. So, all right. This, this one, this one we're going we're gonna to do some, some finesse in here. So 14% is spent on food. And 14% means one M&M plus a piece. That's 14%, all right? 14% is spent on food. Um, and then 14% goes to vehicle expenses. So um, I'm talking fuel for your car, um, license and registration, uh, maintenance. Um, and even if, even if you don't own a car, maybe you do an Uber, maybe you take the bus, like you still got to spend on that, right? So 14% goes to your vehicle. How many M&Ms do you have left? Like a half? A tiny piece? Tiny piece. Now, for the average American, I think you guys are exceptional. You're beyond average, right? But for the average American, only 2% is left at the end of the month. And that's when they start to consider, uh, sh should I give God some of this? Or should I, you know, give to somebody who's in need? And, and they only have 2% to, to play with. Right now, sometimes when I share these stats, um, people tell me, man, I kind of feel judged. I kind of feel naked and ashamed. <laughs> but I'm, I'm not trying to do that because I've been there. I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like to 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 have my money run out. And there's still a lot of months left. I, I, I know what it's like to um, to watch like, like kind of like what you guys are doing, watching the M&Ms go down and down and down. Like I'm watching my bank account go down and down and down. I'm like, I know I have this big bill coming up. How am I going to pay that? How am I going to pay that? So there, there's, a, there's a principle in Scripture, multiple actually, where God tells us, listen, this is how I want you to, to manage your stuff. I don't want you to live paycheck to paycheck. That's not the intent. Let me pause here. That's not God's intent to live paycheck to paycheck. Because when he set it in motion, how did he set it in motion for Adam and Eve? What was the environment like? Abundance. That's God's perfect. That's God's ideal for his creation. So every place where we are not experiencing that, it means something is broken. Sometimes it's our fault. Sometimes it ain't our fault but it means it's broken. I, I, want, I just want everybody to understand that that is not God's ideal. It's not God's ideal. So, in Malachi chapter 3, um, God shares this principle with his people. Uh, Malachi chapter 3, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, read through that really quickly. But in, in Malachi chapter 3, the people of God um, think they're doing well. And then the prophet comes to them and says, uh, actually, actually, and they're super surprised that like, that's how it is. All right, now, now if, I'm, if, I'm, if I get a message like this, like if, if a prophet showed up and said, Kurt, and told me this, I'd be devastated, y'all. 
I'd be devastated. Here's, here's what it says. Verse, verse 6. I am the Lord, and I do not change. That is why you, descendants of Jacob, are not already destroyed. How's that for opening line? <laughs> Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return when we have never go- gone away? Like, God, what do you mean? Return to you. What do you mean by that? And God says, should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Now, I want you to catch this. The people are totally caught off guard by, by this. I've been caught off guard by this. Because I'm a pastor. I grew up in church. My parents are actually pastors. And, and over the last maybe three years or so, like really since 2020, I've been on a personal journey of, of learning to trust God in the area of my finances. And I thought I was good. I thought I was good. But then, as, as, as many of you know, as the years go by, responsibilities increase. I got married, and then I had a daughter, and now I'm pastoring a church, and I have to re, uh, manage res, uh, resources in every one of those spaces. And I'm like, the stakes are getting higher. I can't afford to mess up like I was messing up before. I need to address some stuff. And I thought I was doing well until I read Scripture and read the principles in Scripture, and I'm like, my life does not match what God says, and I need to address that. So this is what's happening here. The way you manage the money I gave you proves you don't trust me. Verse 10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The tithe is a test. Now, there are actually multi- multiple things that God says in his word about giving. Um, the best way I can kind of summarize it because of our time is some for God, some for me. Some for now, and some for later. That when we take all the principles that God says about money, we kind of, kind of boil it down to that. Some for God, and some for me. Some for now, and some for later. And then throughout scripture, we can read like a lot of different instructions on how, how do we treat the money that's for God, the stuff that's for me, the stuff that's for now, and the stuff that's for later. But ultimately boils down to those four things. And so um, right here, what, what Malachi is getting at, the prophet Malachi is getting at is, let's, let's talk about the stuff that's for God though. The tithe, bring that to the storehouse. And, and the storehouse is basically the place that you're being fed right? For the Jewish people in that day, that would have been the temple. For us today, that would be your local church. 
whatever local church you call your church home, that would be the storehouse, right? So bring the tithe there. And the tithe is literally a, a Hebrew word that means tenth, a tenth of whatever you get in. Now, you, you read in the scripture food. Bring the food in because, like I said, they were an agricultural society. So they would trade in crops, right? For us, our income might be different. But 10%, that's what, that's what the scripture is getting at here. Now, um, whenever, whenever I, because uh, like I said, I've been on this journey of wrestling with this. Even as a pastor, I'm like, tithing. Oh, yeah, I'm supposed to tithe. Oh, yeah. Because here's what's happening. There's a challenge that we have to deal with, a personal tension that we feel when we have our resources, when God blesses us with resources, and then we're trying to manage it. Because here's, here's what happens. I, I started realizing this when I had a daughter, and I'm telling her, listen, I want to give you this, like, let's say, let's say candy. Let's go with candy. We got M&Ms. Let's go with candy. So I'm giving her candy, and then I say, can you give me back some of that? And the reason I do that is because she's an only child, and I'm trying to teach her how to share, right? And so I'll give her the candy, and I'll say, can I have some back, just a little bit? <laughs> and it's a struggle. It's a struggle. So she's still learning, and I'm still learning to teach her that principle, right? But that's how we act with our, our, our finances as well. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about relationships. Did you know that your kids were given to you by God? Do you know that? That they are a blessing from God. But sometimes we kind of do, do this, like, God, stay away from my kids. Don't tell me how to, to treat my kids or how to parent my kids. Don't tell me that. Our vehicle, our clothes, everything we have, our jobs, everything we have, ultimately comes from God. Because yes, you may have paid the money, paid the bill, and are paying the bills, but the energy it takes to do that, where did that come from? The health that it takes to have the job, where did that come from? The breath that you breathe to function, where did that come from? So ultimately it comes back from God. And so God says, listen, the stuff that I give you, I want you to leverage that. I want you to use that for my purposes. And we do kind of like what my daughter does. I don't know about that. Here's where, here's where I want to land. Everything that God's given us, there's more where it came from. More where it came from. And so when he says to tithe or when he says some for me, some for God, some for me, some for now, some for later. He said, listen, listen, listen. I have the whole candy store, right? And I, I, I tell you how to operate and to do this, and I want you to trust me. I want you to trust me. You can't see the full picture. I want you to trust me. In the scripture, it says that they were experiencing curses. What kind of curses? They were experiencing pests, eating up their crops. They were experiencing holes in their pocket. And some of us have that experience where we're working hard, hustling, investing time, energy, money, relationships, and we can't see any fruit for, for the effort that we're putting in. Or some of us, like, 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 like tax time comes and, and we get this lump sum of money and all of a sudden this big bill comes up out of nowhere. 
or we get a bonus. It's end of year. A lot of times end of year people have bonuses and, and we get a bonus and then all of a sudden it's like, well, the bills went up too. That's the curse. Circumstances become pests that eat away at your resources. That's, what, that's what's happening to them. And we experience this. We experience this as a country. We experience this as in our families and individually. I know because I've experienced it. I've experienced it. Even when I thought, oh, things were going great. And what, what God says is, listen, trust me with the tithe. Test me with it. Test me and see. If I don't open up heaven and pour out blessings on you. Blessings. Well, what kind of blessings are we talking about? Sometimes it's financial blessings. Sometimes as we tithe and we trust God with our money, he gives us more money. Right? There are many examples in scripture and throughout history of God doing that. But sometimes it's, it's relational. Sometimes it's relational capital. Like you meet people that you never met before or you never would have met if you weren't honoring him in, with your finances. If I didn't trust God with my finances, I wouldn't have ended up in Canada for school and I would have never met Phil. And I would have never met Phil, I wouldn't be here in Grand Rapids. Like literally, I can trace that line. And it started with trusting God with finances. Like, I don't know how you're going to provide for this, but I want to give you what I have. I want to use that for your kingdom, right? What, what, what other blessings are we talking about? Blessings like protection. Like, there's some things that, that we are preserved from that we don't even know that we're preserved from. So, some things that, that, that maybe are around the corner and God, is, God blocks that so you don't face that, right? So protection. What other blessings are we talking about? Maybe you're starting something. You're starting something, and God paves the way so that what you start will flourish, will produce, will have the impact that you want it to have. Blessings. He says, trust me with it and see if I don't pour out. And it's so much that you can't contain it. That's the type of God that we serve. But fam, we will never experience the fullness of God if we don't trust him to lead us there. It starts with trusting him with every area of your life, including, including your finances. All right? So I want to I take some time and pray for us as we close. My friends playing the, playing the, the instrumental so, so beautifully. But I, I want us to kind of focus in here. Is there something that God has asked you to produce, asked you to develop, asked you to grow, and you've been a bit nervous because you're not sure how it's going to work out financially. If that's you, would you stand? I want to pray for you. Because everything that God calls us to, he provides for. Because ultimately, it's his purpose. It's his purpose. It's not your purpose. It's his purpose. And take some time and pray. Heavenly Father, I, I just... I just I just thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you that over and over and over and over and over and over again, we can trace in scripture how blessings and obedience are connected. How your provision and your protection are connected to, to following your instructions. And so many times, oh God, we get nervous. I get nervous. We get nervous. Because we don't fully understand how it all works. And sometimes we see the, the resources dwindling. 
and we wonder, oh God, how, how are we going to have enough, to, to, enough supply? What will the future look like? But God, we don't know what the future looks like. You do. And so God, in this moment, I pray that every single person in the, in the sound of my voice would trust you with their future and trust you with provision because you've always proven yourself to be a provider. I pray, oh God, that we would give us the courage to, to seek your face and to trust you in our finances, to put you first and allow you to take care of the rest. I pray, oh God, for the dreams that are represented here, the hopes, the vision that's represented here, the initiatives that are being started, the businesses or, or, the, or the ministries, God. The stuff that, that people are carrying and they're trying to birth, God. I pray that you would put your hand on it and that you would flourish it. That you would help it to produce and help it to multiply, oh God, in the same way that you gave Adam and Eve that commission to be fruitful and to multiply. We know that also Christ gave us the mission to, to multiply disciples. And so, God, I pray for each person, oh God, each person who is a believer, that they would multiply themselves and use their resources to be missional and to be kingdom-minded. I pray for everybody here, oh God, who's still hesitant, who's still uncertain. Holy Spirit, would you continue to work on their life so that they see the value in surrendering completely to you in every area of their life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.